6640. Your future lies in 6640. 66 books by 40 authors, and yet we now discover it's an integrated message system from outside our time domain. Welcome to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher is Chuck Missler, connecting the Bible to your life and the world around you. In today's study, Chuck completes his teaching on the book of Psalms, chapters 11 through 18. David says, he that doeth these things, the ones he's listed, he didn't list 613, he listed 11 in effect. He that doeth these things shall never be moved. And again, that's new, that to totter, shake, slip, be moved, to be overthrown. He will never be overthrown. He will never be greatly shaken is what it's really saying. If you do those things, God is your protector, your refuge, and your strength, your rock. Let's see what Jesus said about these kinds of things. Mark 12. One of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Good question. Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. That is known as the Shema. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5, you'll find it on every doorpost in a Jewish home or an office building, whatever, the little thing that's on the, the mezuzah, which is on the doorpost, typically at an angle. And, with the, and what's usually, not necessarily, but usually in it is Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5. It's called the Shema. That's what Jesus is quoting here as the great commandment, but he's not through. He says, the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And he's simply quoting Leviticus 19.18. Scribe said unto him, well, master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God and there is none other but he. And to love him with all the heart and all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love his neighbor himself is more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Really? Are they important? Of course. But this is, this is the core of the thing. These are more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices together. And Jesus saw that he answered discreetly. He said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. And no man after that dares to ask him any questions. I love those clothes. Okay, let's move on. We've got Psalm 16. Can make this, I think. This is a michtam. What is a michtam? No one's quite sure. <laughs> michtams always seem to, there's about six of them. Um, and from 56 to 60 are michtams. They apparently are all happy and triumphant uh, in their style. Uh, some scholars think the term really means a golden jewel or a special treasure. These are speculations. Um, we know some are victims, and they're always upbeat kinds of things. It's a very personal hymn of joy in any case. And it, it uh, matches, uh, this, this, this particular one matches David's response to the covenant. In 2 Samuel 7, when the Davidic covenant is announced to David, he is joyed and he he responds with words that are very, very parallel to this psalm. So we think it's the same subject. We do know it's messianic because it points to Christ, yes, but many, many psalms that point to Christ, we don't call messianic typically unless they're quoted as such in the New Testament. 
Because I could argue and probably defend the argument that every psalm speaks of Jesus Christ in some way or another. But the ones we call Messianic are the ones typically they're quoted by. This one's quoted by Peter at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. It's also quoted by Paul at Antioch of Pisidia in Acts 13. This particular psalm is. Okay, a victim of David. There's, all, there's a couple other quotes coming too, but I'll leave that there in a minute. David says, Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, Thou art my Lord. My goodness extendeth not to thee, but to the saints that are in the earth, and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names unto my lips. He's talking about maintaining a separation from an inhospitable world. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen to me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a, a goodly heritage. Praise God. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. There's that... That not being moved again. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh shall also rest in hope. And next comes a incredible thing. See, by the way, he speaks about night seasons. It's the word nights there is in plural. He went to night school. The nights are plural. And uh, by the way, the other underlying thing in your notes: the future is your friend if you're in the Lord. That's also the tone in here. But this is called the song of the resurrection. We see the life of Christ in verse 8. We have the death of Christ in verse 9. We have the resurrection of Christ in verse 10. We have the ascension of Christ in verse 11. Pretty exciting. This is a a neat psalm. Psalm 16, verse 10. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Remember Lazarus? He was... Seeing corruption, he was in the grave four days. Christ was in only three days. He would not see corruption. This is quoted by Peter in, in, at Pentecost in Acts 2. It's quoted by Paul in Acts 3. And uh, we have the this, deal, these, this deals with the resurrection of the body. Christ's body was an interesting body, the resurrected body. It was real and substantial. This was not a spirit. Remember Luke 24, 39, Jesus confronted them in the upper room you know, when he, uh, that, that night. Handle me and see, a spirit does not have flesh and bone as you see me have. Remember? Okay. So he's real. He's tangible. He's got a body that's tangible. Don't get confused by what comes here now. He ingested food. In fact, he never appears after his resurrection without eating. My kind of guy. Okay. Yet he had a property that disturbs many. He could appear and disappear at will. So he's tangible. He's not a spirit, fuzzy, you know, uh, holographic or something. No, he is tangible. And yet he could go through locked doors. He could pass through locked doors and so forth. Interesting. The last, next verse, thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So let's talk about his resurrection body again. Real and substantial, ingested food, can appear and disappear, pass through locked doors. Here's the point. We know from Philippians 3.20 
And from 1 John 3, 2, we will be like him. Whatever he enjoys, we will too. John emphasized, 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, it's not, it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. We're not going to be someone looking at a two-dimensional representation of a three-dimensional object like we do with a photograph. We're not talking about a three-dimensional representation of a four-dimensional object. We will be like him, for we shall see him as whatever dimensionality he presently enjoys, that's at least 11 according to the mathematicians, we will enjoy the same. Beloved, it doth not yet appear what we shall be. We know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him because we shall, we shall see him as he is. Paul's insight into advanced physics is astonishing. Okay, it's Psalm 17, a prayer of David. This is one of five that are identified as prayers. Similar terms used in Habakkuk 3 and Psalm 72, verse 20. But uh, of a dozen words for prayer, the word here is tapilla, which can mean to intervene. So it may be an intervening type of prayer. He's going to deal with three pressing concerns and three major requests. And each one will open with an address to the Lord. Hear the right, O Lord, attend unto my cry, give ear unto my prayer that goeth not out with feigned lips. Let my sentence come forth from thy presence. Let thine eyes behold the things that are equal. He's going to have three things. He's going to ask for a vindication, examine me, first five verses. He'll seek protection, keep me, he'll ask, verses 6 through 12. And then he'll deal with salvation, rescue me. Examine me, keep me, rescue me are the three main threads in this psalm. Thou hast proved mine heart, thou hast visited me in the night, thou hast tried me and shalt find nothing. I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. He's got a good conscience. He's been diligent before the Lord. He challenges the Lord to test, you know, to, 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 to test him. Concerning the works of men, by the word of thy lips, I have kept me from the paths of the destroyer. Hold up my goings in thy paths that my footsteps slip not. I have called upon thee where thou wilt hear me. See, he's going now, he's going to the protection phase of this thing. Keep me, in other words. Even though he's a master military tactician, he knows that without God's help, he cannot escape. I've called upon thee, thou wilt hear me, O God, incline thine ear unto me, and hear my speech. Show thy marvelous loving kindness, O thou that savest by thy right hand them which put their trust in thee from those that rise up against them. This sounds very similar to the song of Moses in Exodus 15, by the way. Keep me as the apple of the eye, hide me under the shadow of thy wings. The apple of the eye is a strange term. You may not know what it really means. It really means the, pup the pupil. It's the dark part of your eye. And the, when you look at the apple of the eye, you usually, in somebody's eye, you see yourself. Think about that, okay? The Hebrew actually means the little man of the eye, but it's really talking about the ineffective people. Now, hide me under the shadow of thy wings. Now, here's a term again that uh, David's using. You think of the shadow of your wings, you think of a mother hen and a chicks, or it might, he might be alluding to the cherubim, their wings in the Holy of Holies. In any case, from the wicked that oppress me, from my deadly enemies who compass me about, they are enclosed in their own fat. 
With their mouth, they speak proudly. Now, he's not talking about being overweight here in the traditional sense. He's talking about fat in the hearts. They're calloused by disobedience. They're insensitive to others. The grease or the fat of the heart is an idiom used all through the prophets. With their mouth, they speak proudly. He's also, uh, this all, the, the, the term fat also, by the way, fatness is also an idiom used by the prophets for a selfish or worldly lifestyle. Those are terms that might not be comfortable unless you've done a lot of reading in those areas, but that's clearly the intent of the Hebrew. They have now compassed us in our steps. They have set their eyes bowing down to the earth like as a lion that is greedy of his prey and as a as it were, a young lion lurking in secret places. You need to realize David was under a threat. You know, twice Saul, the king, threw a spear and missed. Four times Saul sent soldiers to capture him. He's been in exile for, this is not a, you know, a few weeks, a few months. This is 10 years of this stuff. We get to verse 13, we now are starting his third request where he says, rescue me. Arise, O Lord, disappoint him, cast him down, deliver my soul from the wicked, which is thy sword, from men which are thy hand. Now this, this verse 14 is a little difficult, difficult translation. Let's go slowly. From men which are thy hand, O Lord, from men of the world, which have their portion in this life, and whose belly thou fillest with thy hid treasure, they are full of children and leave the rest of their substance to their babes. What he's really saying is David's enemies will be satisfied only in this life, leaving their wealth even to their kids. It's, it's, it sounds, uh, it's not obvious what he's really driving at here. In verse 15, as for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. This is his comment on his afterlife. You have to search very carefully for insights on the views of afterlife in the Old Testament, but they're there. And that's what he's really talking about. He's going to, he knows he's got a glorious future when he gets resurrected, which is kind of exciting. Okay, I think we can squeeze one more in here. Let's take Psalm 18 and call it an evening. To the chief musician, the Psalm of David, the servant of the Lord who spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, and then it goes on. So this is a triumphant, um, joyous celebration in this psalm of David. Finally, after all this, he's now freed. It's done. And so he just gives God all the credit. He says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. And um, by the way, there's another version of this in, in, in 2 Psalm 22. And uh, there's also allusions to this in Psalm 116. We'll count those later. The psalm both opens the first three verses and the last four verses, five verses, um, with doxologies. Now, he says, I will love thee. The word there in the Hebrew is racham, which means to love deeply, to have mercy, to be compassionate, to have tender affection. It's the term that's related to the womb. The connotation is here a love that a mother has of her baby or a father of a son or the Lord with respect to Israel. It's a, it's a very special kind of love. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler, the horn of my salvation and my high tower. Boy, it says it all. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. 
The sorrows of death have compassed me. The floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me, hindered me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him even into his ears. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken because he was wroth. There went up a smoke out of his nostrils and fire out of his mouth devoured. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down and darkness was under his feet. He rode upon a cherub and did fly. Yea, he did fly upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his secret place. His pavilion round about him were dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. At the brightness that was before him, his thick clouds passed hailstones and coals of fire. The Lord also thundered in the heavens. The highest gave his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. Yea, he sent out his arrows and scattered them. He shot out his lightnings and discomfited them. Then the channels of the waters were seen and the foundations of the world were discovered at thy rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of thy nostrils. Whew. I won't even try to add anything to that. It doesn't even need coming. He sent from above and he took me and he drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy and, he, and from them that hated me, for they were too strong for me. They prevented me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my stay. He brought me forth also into a large place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. Back in verse 6, by the way, the word there meant a tight, the word distress meant a tight place in a corner. So here, what he, he talks, in other words, hemmed in. Here, because he, it says he, uh, uh, he brought me forth into a large place, he relieved that crowding. See, he's, he's, it's, it's antithetical to that earlier term is the point. Okay. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanly, uh, cleanness of my hands, hath he recomp recompensed me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God, for all his judgments were before me and I did not put away his statutes from me. I was also upright before him. I kept myself from mine iniquity. Therefore hath the Lord recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his eyesight. With a merciful, thou wilt show thyself merciful. And with an upright man, thou wilt show thyself upright. With the pure, thou wilt show thyself pure. And with the froward, thou wilt show thyself froward. For thou wilt save the afflicted people, but wilt bring down high looks. For thou wilt light my candle, the Lord, my God, will enlighten my darkness. For by thee I have run through a troop, and by my God have I leaped over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those who, that trust in him. For who is God save the Lord? Who is a rock save our God? It is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. He maketh my feet like hind's feet and setteth me upon the high places. He teacheth my hands to war so that a bow of steel is broken by mine arms. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation. Thy right hand hath holden me up and thy gentleness hath made me great. Thou hast enlarged my steps under me that my feet did not slip. See, God all this time was preparing him for service. 
He takes a lot of time to train his own. He trained Joseph in Egypt for 13 years before he was called into service. Moses, 40 years on the backside of the desert. And Joshua, too, 40 years in training. God takes time to train his people properly. I pursued mine enemies, David continues, and overtaken them. Neither did I turn again until they were consumed. I have wounded them that were not able to rise. They are fallen under my feet. For thou hast girded me with strength unto the battle. Thou hast subdued under me those that rose up against me. Thou hast given me the necks of mine enemies that I might destroy them that hate me. They cried, but there was none to save them, even unto the Lord, but he answered them not. Then did I beat them small as the dust before the wind. I did cast them out as the dirt in the streets. Thou hast delivered me from the strivings of the people. Thou hast made me the head of the heathen. A people whom I have not known shall serve me. As soon as they hear of me, they shall obey me. The strangers shall submit themselves unto me. The strangers shall fade away and be afraid out of their close places. The Lord liveth and blessed be my rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. It is God that avengeth me and subdueth the people under me. He delivereth me from mine enemies, yea, Thou liftest me up above those that rise up against me. Thou hast delivered me from the violent man. Therefore will I give thanks unto thee, O God, O Lord, among the heathen, and sing praises unto thy name. In great deliverance giveth he to his king, and showeth mercy to his anointed, to David, and to his seed forevermore. Verse 49, the first of those two verses, uh, Paul quotes it in Romans 15, verse 9, and he applies it to Jews praising God to the Gentiles. And then the verse, a couple of verses later, he announces that Jesus Christ is reigning over both the Jews and the Gentiles, just as Isaiah 11, verse 10 predicts and so forth. And uh, <laughs> verse 50, it says, Great deliverance giveth he to his king, and showeth mercy is anointed to David. This is David calling himself by his name. Do you know who else does that? Little children. They're Can you give Tommy a cookie? You know, it, it, it's, it's an endearment kind of relationship. See, children often use their own names when make, requesting something. Well, that's what David's doing here. Just, you know, like, like, a, like a child. Great deliverance given the heed to his king and showeth mercy to his anointed, to David and to his seed forevermore. Okay. We've, we've, got, we've got 9 and 10 previously. We've been through 11, 12, and uh, 13. Plight of God's people and great tribulation and so on. 14, the depravity of man, last days. 15, was those who shall enter the kingdom with some surprises, a focus, focus on the essentials and not the ceremonial laws. Uh, Psalm 16, the song of the resurrection, a great messianic passage. Then we have the prayer of David and the special prayer of deliverance that we've just gone through. Now, next time... We are going to be treated to Psalm 19. Psalm 19 will be a special time. We will go more than just that, but I want you for next time to be especially attentive to Psalm 19. You might read all the way through to 24, and don't just read them. Spend this week meditating on them. But be prepared for a real tour de force with Psalm 19. It's a very special one. Be prepared similarly for 20, 21. And I can tell you right now, you're not ready for 22. That is awesome. It reads as if it was dictated by Jesus Christ as he hung on the cross.
And that leads then to the shepherd's psalms, 23, 24, and 25. But uh, pick, you know, pick up the next five for next time. Let's stand for a closing word of prayer. Isn't God great? Hallelujah is right. You know, book of Psalms, many great passages in the Bible, obviously, but somehow Psalms is really a gateway into his presence. You want to avail yourself of that. We're going through Psalms. Use your time, the time you have, to just plunge, immerse, digest these incredible passages. Let's bow our hearts. Father, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that you have allowed David to communicate a glimpse of that to us. We do pray, Father, you would just open our hearts and lives to your word that we might behold that which you have for us, that we might grow in a more complete understanding of our Messiah, our kinsman redeemer, that we might more fully apprehend the promises that you have made to us, that we too might have the confidence, the encouragement, the protection of your word. We thank you, Father. We do pray that you would just reignite in each of us a new passion, a new hunger, that we too might be more effective for you in the days ahead as we do, like David, bow before you, confess our sins, which are many, sins of presumption, sins of ingratitude, knowing, Father, that you're faithful and will not only forgive us our sins, but to cleanse us from unrighteousness. We seek that, Father, that we might be more effective for you as we come before you in the name of Yeshua, our salvation, our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher was Chuck Missler, teaching through the book of Psalms. For a complete listing of resources available, please visit khouse.org. Or you can call us on 1-800-KHOUSE-1. To learn more about Koinonia Institute, visit koinoniainstitute.org. Thank you for listening to 6640 and for your continued prayerful support of this ministry. Until next time, as we continue this series, may God bless you with the knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, as you study His Word. Amen.